Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to the Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we talk about and celebrate Star Trek III, The Search for Spock, one minute at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, David Stoker. That would make me your other co-host, Chris LaSalle. Hey, Chris. Hey, Dave. Happy New Year. It's a happy New Year. It's a happy Monday and a happy New Year. Yeah. 2018, baby. Goodness gracious, where does time go? Yes. New movies, new shows, new adventures. Yeah, well, probably 2018 will be like, we'll be talking about the voyage home sometime this year, I would think. I know. That's one I'm, I'm very excited for. Yeah. Yikes. Let's get this one done. <laughs> so we're talking about Minute 68 um, today for the search for Spock. And this minute starts with Krug saying, I have three prisoners. And ends with David saying, hello, sir. <laughs> Maybe not quite like that. <laughs> was that David the Muppet? <laughs> <laughs> No, that was that was angsty, whiny. Hello, sir. Cruz finishing his thought from last minute where he says, "On the planet below, I have three prisoners from the team who developed your doomsday weapon." That's an awful Krug. <laughs> He's very Christopher Lloyd in this in this moment. I find I find there's a lot. I hear a lot of Christopher Lloyd here, uh, and not so much Krug. So I feel like, and I've said it before, and I'm going to continue to say it, there are moments in here where I don't see Krug the Klingon, I see Doc Brown. You put a white wig on him, and he, Marty, I uh, got three prisoners down on the on the planet below. You know, that's yeah. that's what I'm hearing. I'm not hearing, I'm not hearing this menacing Klingon. When he does pl- portray Krug, he is a fantastic villain. But I feel like sometimes he, I don't know, he switches back to this persona that just I don't feel like is a menacing villain. Even when he's saying something that should potentially be menacing by saying, if you do not surrender, I will execute them one at a time. I think, I think I mentioned it before, I think it's when Christopher Lloyd has these really long monologues. That's when he seems to drift. Yeah. To drift out of menacing Klingons. When he has a short burst of, you know, emergency thrusters you know when he's yelling and he's saying these you know short terse statements i believe him as a klingon when he monologues he starts to drift out into doc brown right so the one comment i have is he ends his little his little line his little monologue with uh as enemies of galactic peace so we've he's already insulted them before by calling them a gang of intergalactic criminals, calling them the lowest of the low. And now he's saying that, you know, I'm going to kill these prisoners one at a time because as enemies of lactic peace. You made the comment in our last episode before the Christmas break saying that, you know, who does Krug think he's right? You know, it's one of those, you know, moral high ground things. Well, I think Kirk is the good guy. And Krug is the bad guy, but in Krug's mind, is he being the good guy and the Federation is the bad guy kind of thing? Right. I I go back and forth on it. I think I think I think on the one hand he does think he's in the right and he's he, 
he truly believes that the Federation are are enemies of galactic peace by developing this technology. Right. right? Which, you know, everything we know that we've seen as an audience, we know that it was developed, you know, in the spirit of science and, you know, uh, solving, you know, resource resource shortages and things like that. Um, So I think on the one hand, he does believe that, that the, the Federation has built a weapon. But on the, but on the other hand, I think he could also just be saying these words as an excuse for what he's doing, for the actions he's taking. Like, I'm going to, you know, I just want this thing so I can use it as a weapon. (laughs) And I'm just, my excuse is I'm taking it away from you guys. You were going to use it as a weapon. So I kind of go back and forth and I think I lean more towards he's, he's just saying the words as an excuse. Yeah. Um, the more I hear him talk, the more I feel like he's just ultimately out for himself. Like he really has no, he has no like affiliation with maybe the Klingon Empire or anyone else. That he's sort of out here by himself, doing what he thinks is the right thing, in by taking this weapon away for his own purposes, <laughs> like making sure that the Federation doesn't have this weapon, but on the same side, him having the weapon to do as he pleases. Yeah. I wonder who he would use it against first. Oh, he'd head right to Earth, oh, blow them away. Okay. I was just wondering, you know, would he, would he, you know, take his beef out on the Romulans first, or would he, you know, or could he be so, you know, disenfranchised with the Klingon Empire that he actually go to his home planet and do it, you know, not not actually not necessarily use it, but like threaten, you know, th- who's he going to threaten with it first? Um, I would think he he would take that and. He would ram it right up the Federation's butt because, I mean, he basically calls the Federation a bunch of intergalactic criminals. That what better way for me to get on my my you know moral high horse and head back to Sector Zero Zero One, take out those you know those humies? <laughs> wow, I don't think I'm going to be able to sway you from your opinion because you seem to be very entrenched on it right now. <laughs> Uh, I'm just going by what he says and how he is, you know, he has a, such a complete and utter lack of respect for the Humies that, you know, he calls, you know, when uh, a couple minutes ago when we had, uh, I think, Jonathan Carlyle on, we were talking about his line about, uh, you know, uh, the weakling human. Right. You know, I've got a Vulcan or I've got a Vulcan, a weakling human and a woman like to me in his mind. The only thing lower than a woman is a weakling human. <laughs> Speaking of moral high horses, I think it's funny you say that because I think Kirk immediately f- flips and does the same thing, right? He's like, "Who is this? How dare you take prisoners?" You know, he's like, he just fired on them, uh, right? Uh, he he took the first shot, right? He <laughs> he did. The Klingons decloaked, and the first thing he did was shoot at him. Um, so now he's like, "How dare you take prisoners?" Like, dude, you just shot my shit up ship. <laughs> torpedoes yeah um we're not we're not you know um the both of them think that they are absolutely in the right and we all want to believe that kirk you know he did what was right you know he's defending the planet he is avenging grissom because clearly the klingons there destroyed them so he's coming in and doing the right thing by shooting first. But as we know from many episodes of the various Star Trek series, the Federation never shoots first. That's right. So here's, and here's an example of Kirk breaking the rules again. 
he so on that note let me ask you where kirk is not acting as a member of the federation he is clearly prize he is in a sector he's not supposed to be in that's quarantined is he just acting on the way he normally would like i'm gonna take out that ship and i don't care who it is it's a cloaked vessel and i don't care who it is i'm because you 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 said that he shot first they uncloaked and he immediately shot that's really a really interesting thought so is he he's he's not he's not acting he's acting as a civilian not a member not a representative of the federation because that will actually let's let's hang on to that note because i think we can we can ask that again in later minutes right i think there's other actions he takes that you know you could probably do the same thing oh wait a minute is he acting in you know his best interest or in his or is he acting on behalf of the federation right okay we'll we'll table that talk for for a couple of minutes because i have other thoughts that go with that and i don't want to necessarily go oh, there no, if you, we're gonna no i think you no no go no i, I just meant um no i want to hear more um i'm just saying we, well because we, he we can come back to it later too i mean he's clearly he's he, i'm gonna say he's clearly emotional like this is all emotion for kirk this is he is here to basically you know rescue not, he doesn't know who the prisoners are at this moment but his whole journey is just to get spot's body and to me not acting as a member of the federation he's now a criminal um not the criminal that you know crew calls him but he is a criminal he's still the enterprise and he is going to not let anyone stand in his way of his ultimate goal which is getting his body back and this is just another this is just another version of them stealing the enterprise it's another problem in their way and um, he is not acting as Captain Kirk or Admiral Kirk, a member of the Federation. He's acting as James T. Kirk, you know, person. Interesting. So, so are you saying then that, um, let's say a more official, he was, let's say he was at Genesis for a more official reason, whatever that may be, you know. Right. Admiral, Commander Moreau sent him out there for whatever reason. Yes. And the Klingon... And Krug and his and his crew, the Bird of Prey, is still arrived uh, and decloaked in front of the Enterprise. Are you saying that Kirk probably would have would not have opened fire? He would have started with a different tactic. Well, I think, yeah, I if he was on, so, as we're re, again once again rewriting the the movie here, if Kirk was here on an official capacity, he probably would not be on a ship that is basically limping into the system that is being automated by one person. Sure. I think, I think that he would, yeah, he would have taken a different tactic. Mm-hmm. He would have shields at his command and the one shot that crew gets on him uh, probably wouldn't have done the damage it has done. And they would be in a better position to follow up on his, you know, how dare you, you know, he could then take the moral ground and be like, how dare you fire upon us? We're the Federation. We're going to fire back. But I don't see it. I don't see it that way here. He, like you said, he fired first. He stole the Enterprise. He has broken, you know, many a many a rule here. He he disabled the ship, and in doing so, um, he is a criminal. Yeah, and he's does he is it in this minute where someone does Kirk say something about this is an act of war, or was that last minute? That was last minute where he yeah last minute he says. Um, by violation of the treaty between the Federation and the Klingon Empire, your presence here is an act of war. 
you could make the same comment that where this is a quarantined planet, he has also broken the law. Yeah, and he's also opened fire on a Klingon ship without necessarily knowing what the ship's intent was. Right. Right. So exactly. So yeah, I think they're. So the only yeah the only thing they know is they rolled into the system and the Grissom isn't there for whatever reason. Right. Like they have not return hailed. They don't know anything other than the fact that they spotted the Klingon bird of prey cloaked, like the distortion on the screen, and that they uncloaked, they immediately fired. Yeah, exactly. So it's a game of moral high horse. Yes. Right now. This Absolutely. <laughs> so I got to say, I, I uh, we, we talked about this a little bit offline, but I got to say this, this next line of Krug's, <laughs> I'm a fan of. <laughs> who I am is not important. That I have them is. I I, I find it very Shakespearean. It's not a little not, bit. Yeah. yeah. It's uh that I have them is. And he sounds a little bit like Yoda. And I think you even made the comment. I think you when I I think I said David if he was a Muppet like that is totally a Muppet thing. <laughs> who I am is not important. That I have them is. <laughs> but yeah, so I like it. It's it's a uh, it's just a uh, I don't know. Is there it's, what, isn't there isn't there a joke about the Shakespeare and Klingon? Uh, yes, Klingon or whatever. Well, that's what yeah, I that, think of very Shakespearean. Um. So as menacing as Krug is, mm-hmm. and you know he has called out the Federation as a bunch of intergalactic criminals, and you know you surrender, I have these prisoners, and. You know, I'm taking you down. Do you find it weird that he is going to allow Kirk to speak with the prisoners? Like, do you feel like any sort of madman villain would ever let the good guy speak to the prisoners? Do I think that? Well, there's always – the villains are always monologuing, right? They're always giving their opponent mm. time. <laughs> True. Um, I for, – for me, I've always interpreted that this is just um, – this is Krug's way of, I don't know, rubbing it in, you know, not only proving that yeah, I've got prisoners, but also just, yeah, I've got prisoners. I'm going to let you talk to him before I start killing him. You know, it's in some ways it's almost like, whoa, he's, he's a villain and he's that much more over the top than some villains. Right. It's like a taunt. Yeah, maybe. You don't think so? You yeah, no, I, I, I guess I just found it. I just found it to be, I, I, I don't know. I mean, what is the – I throw out the word. What is the trope here? Is it to allow them to – the villain to allow the – you know, we, we talk, you talked about it. You said, um, you know, the, the villain's always monologuing, so it gives the, the, the hero time to formulate a plan and, and defeat the villain. Is this just another one of those little things that the villain does that allows the hero to win? Like, will the – prisoners give him information that will ultimately foil the villain's plans right right well no i don't think in 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 this case i think you know harf bennett and nimoy that i mean the reason they're doing this is you just said it either last minute or today was you know kirk right now doesn't know anything about who is alive yes right on the planet and so we need to give him we need to give him a you know a a way of learning who it is on the planet. Uh, right. And because, you know, as things play out, when, if, when a prisoner gets, gets killed, it's either going to be, Oh geez, you know, 
some guy got killed or it's going to be someone he knows got killed. Right. You know, so there's so much, there's obviously going to be a lot more weight to it. Um, but I, 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 if I was going to say, why did Krug do it? I think Krug is just kind of, he is, he's a bad guy and it's just another way of him just forgive the, you know, sticking a knife in and twisting it. Yeah. He's going to let him know, let him talk to these people before he starts executing them. Before he starts killing them. Right. Yeah. He's a bad, bad guy. He's a bad guy, but he's not bad guy. Uh, so what do we got? So Savick, so they, they kind of yank everybody. They have to yank everybody. Has to stand up, I guess, to talk and communicate. Yep. Or they yank Apparently. Up. Yeah. Um, so Savick, you know, Admiral says Lieutenant Savick, and Kirk's like, wow, you know, Savick. Surprised. Yes. Um, and then, I don't know, it, it, given where the rest of this conversation goes, where... Um, Safik is taking deliberate pains to not say Spock's name. Yes. And, well, maybe you know Kirk should be taking a cue, but Kirk, the first thing he says is David with you. Yes. You know, he kind of. It only could have been worse if he said, "Is my son with you?" you know, yeah, exactly. Yes. Crew, but um, so he's already given it away to crew that he knows these people that are on the planet. Yes. Right. Well, he, yeah, he immediately responds with Savik. Yeah. Like, so, uh, I'll save it for next minute. Never mind. I'm, I'm going to save my, my comment for next minute because it'll play into what is said. So, yes, I agree with you. Like, he is already given, he's already given the game up that he knows who they are. Um, he's mentioned Savick and David. But wouldn't you, eh, wouldn't you expect to know, I'm, I'm trying to think of the best way to say this, like, wouldn't, Krug expect Kirk to know who these people are anyway. He is the Genesis commander, mm-hmm. and these prisoners are the ones who've developed the weapon, quote unquote weapon. Wouldn't he know them anyway? I'm going to say no, because I think the people on the planet could be anyone from Grissom, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, for all for all Kirk knows, you know, Savick and David were on the Grissom when it got destroyed. Right. Um, so I, I don't think so. I don't think I, I think it'd be a stretch thinking that Kirk would know who's on the planet right now. Well, I think just that he knows who they are, not necessarily he, that. He, yeah, I guess I don't know. But this would to be, your point, I guess I guess he does give something away that he does know who they are. He does, and they they it's a a missed opportunity. We should have seen a nice you know a, a reaction shot from Krug being like ah. Yeah, right. I got him now. But maybe he doesn't need it. Again, he's, his actions are so cold. Krug's yes. actions are so cold in the next couple of minutes. It's like, yeah, I guess he doesn't need need the aha moment or be any more threatening. He goes through with it. So, Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So, Savick, Savick is, hiding, is hiding Spock's identity. Yep. Which is interesting because... I think we already kind of established Krug doesn't really know who Kirk is. Seems to be implying a tiny bit that maybe Krug might know who Spock is if they mention him by name. Hmm. I don't – so, yeah, I have to wonder what is her motive for hiding who Spock is. Unless it's just the way she talks. Again, this minute, you know, it's a lot of, you know, hmm. the- theatrical language, as it were. Maybe this is just her being theatrical. Yes, he is, and someone else, a Vulcan scientist of your acquaintance. Yes. So, I, yeah, maybe that's just how she talks. 
But Kirk immediately picks up on it, and he follows her lead by saying, this Vulcan, is he alive? So he picks up on her reluctance to say Spock's name. Hmm. Yep. He's not himself, but he lives. So let me ask you a question. So on that note mm-hmm. of what Krug may or may not know, we know that he may not know who Kirk is or who he was before because he identified him as the you know the Genesis commander. Mm-hmm. Would he maybe have heard information? Well, actually, you know what? He had the transmission that Kirk beamed, I'm assuming, to Starfleet, and he, that's what Valkris had intercepted. Yep. So it is potentially possible in that transmission he mentions the death of Spock and the fact that they had left Spock on the planet. Oh, okay. So, to the here and now, if Savick relays that information and says, and Spock is here, and he, Kirk goes, is he alive? Ergo, then we cut to Krug, and Krug's like, aha, life from death. Yeah. You know, then it's an even better weapon than I could have imagined. Right, right. Not only can I destroy a planet, but I can raise my dead. Man. Yeah, I could see all that. Like, I think you. I think that's that's what Savick is probably worried about, yes. and that's why she's doing it. Right. Right. Uh, and then we find out that he's subject to rapid aging, like this unstable planet. So uh, here's here's my. I guess I jumped ahead of myself uh, mm. <laughs> when she said, you know, he's not himself, but he lives. We've been doing a lot of what ifs lately, yep. and um, uh, what if in the way the movie played out, this was the first time we as the audience knew that Spock lived. Like, you know, could they, could, could we have gotten to this point with, you know, skipping the pond far scene and yep. skipping them discovering Spock in the snow, <clears throat> you know, could this have been the big, like <gasps> moment of, you know, she finally reveals that, yep, we found him well, and, he's, t- and he's alive. Like, whoa. they totally could have. That would have been. That would, I don't know. I don't quite know how they could have logistically like played it all out. But I mean, that would have been. That would have been a great moment to have it just be a surprise oh. right here. Okay, so thinking back in the movie when uh, David and Savick come to the planet, they find the open, the open. They find the 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 tube. They found the torpedo tube. What outside of the pond far? What real information did we learn? Maybe that David was at fault with the proto matter, yep. but what other valid, important information did we really learn we about? Yeah, and I'm just wondering, could you have cut almost everything out? And maybe to your to your point of could we have this been the aha moment? You could have had them landing and maybe discussing, uh, you know, this doesn't really work, you know, proto matter, and then they get to the tube. They see the tube, and then you cut, and then you return, you know, to you know some point now or something like that, where you know they've been captured, and then you find out like that they found Spock. Like you, you could have definitely have made it so that this would have been the oh my god he's alive. Right. You could have the camera pan, you know, pan over. At this point, we just see you know Savick and David the whole time. Right. She says it. The camera pans over, and there's Spock standing next to them. Ooh, yes. Uh, yeah, I think it. Yeah, I buy that. Yeah, I buy that you could have you could have done it. Yeah. And I think it would have been fantastic. What if minute? Yeah. 
<laughs> and I don't remember who it was. Um, someone had was it John John Car- Jonathan Carlyle or was it John Doobie? Someone had asked about could we have entered the minute where we didn't know anything? Like we en- entered the movie where things were going on and there was no backstory or setup. Like would we would we have understood things? And I feel like this is one of those things. Like you could have done something without showing information, and you still would have. Yeah. Uh, we still would have had a fantastic movie. Yeah, it would have worked. Yeah, I agree. Yes. All right. Well, there's the end of the minute. It ends with, uh, yeah, we end the minute with uh, the goon moving over to David and, hello, sir. <laughs> Sounds like Eeyore. Well. In a way. Yeah. He is. I found Spock. Uh, are we still on Spock number three? Yes, we are in Spock number three. Spock number three in that final final few seconds um, of this minute, I found that he looks very much like Sarek. A little bit, yeah. Whether they did that on purpose or not, I don't know, but it's like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, he kind of looks like a young uh, Mark. Mark Leonard or Leonard? Did we? I think we said Leonard. Leonard. But it's, I know I've yeah. heard, I think it was uh, Sully who was calling him Leonard, and I was like, oh, did I have that wrong? Mm-hmm. I, I seem to be getting names wrong a lot. <laughs> yeah. So, even though we're at the end of the minute, there's a couple other things that I just wanted to mention as we're scr- I'm scrubbing through the minute. Is from a perspective of us, the viewer, we definitely see how in peril the Enterprise is. We see the um, you know we see the bridge scenes of uh, the you know they're in dark, and we see the scrambling sensor panels. But there's also this level of smoke mm-hmm. and haze. That I feel like we, as the audience, know that they're in trouble. And to your point, and to your point, I think last minute when we were talking about the communication, Krug probably saw a lot of that. That's why he his instinct told him mm, something else is going on here. I see like a couple of scrambled screens back there. There's a lot of smoke on the bridge. Um, yeah, they're in they're in some trouble. It kind of makes you wonder why they don't do these things in green screen, like. You know, like on the Enterprise. Like, hold on, before we, before I turn on, talk to this guy. Bring down the green screen so we can show him the happy, you know, go lucky bridge with no damage. That'd be a good idea. Um, but I do like the one where she even says he's not himself, but he lives, and they cut to McCoy. Oh yeah, and, and he's kind of like, yeah. you see it in his face, like, oh my god, he's alive. Like, yep. like, like that's amazing. Yeah, because they were not DeForest Kelly there. He's he's got you know just that one small. It's a subtle reaction, but it's yeah. there. You see it, and yeah, what could be going through his head right now? Not to, yeah, you know, not to make a pun there, but you know, he's like, oh, it's <sighs> yeah, this may work after all. Well, they were going there with the intention of I think just recovering Spock's body. It wasn't even like they were going to. There was nothing. There was, and I think I may have mentioned this on the on the forums on the Federation listener page is that their intention was to go and get his body. Like for all intents and purposes, they were going to head back to Vulcan so that they could remove Spock's Katra and put it in the, you know, the quote hall of heads. Yeah. Like that was the, that was the plan. That's right. That's right. And they were going to just pick up his body along the way. And yeah, right. Yeah. Return it. I'm assuming return it to Sarek for whatever, whatever, you know, burial or, you know, final, Thing that they do with the body right at this point the refusion is not necessarily on anybody's mind or up until yes. this point 
Sarek, you know, what he ultimately requests at the end of the film, the refusion, right. is not uh, was not the original plan. You're right. So maybe this is more of the first. This is might be the first aha moment where people are probably thinking like, you know, you see you see McCoy's face, and you're probably thinking like, oh wait, wait a minute, he's alive. They have a oh, they could bring him back. You know, like right. I I want this. So to your to your point about the aha moment, maybe this is meant to be the aha moment where people kind of put two and two together. Yep. Right. Right. That this, oh, this might work. Because, yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I know we talked about it earlier is when they found you know Spock the kid in the snow, Spock number one. Right. We're like, oh, that's not how I pictured this movie going, right? <laughs> the search for yeah. Spock was either they're going to find Spock and he's alive, but he's this you know, same old self. And But I was not expecting to find Spock the child. Like, oh, are they going to start over, right? They're rebooting Spock and they're going to start over with the young child Spock and that's who's going to be in the next movie. You know, you're right. So <laughs> up until kind of this point, you're just, we're just dealing with a, you know, oddly aging Spock. Where's this going? This this is where you could you could say, aha. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good catch, although man. You, although you just bit, you what? just completely blow my mind with the fact that we could have had child Spock going forward. Like that would have just been a fantastic child child Spock on the Enterprise would have been fantastic. Right. Like just but yeah, just with the same le- level of. Yeah, same level of intelligence. Yeah, that would yeah. have been great. That would been kind of cool. He wouldn't have been annoying like Wesley Crusher. He would have been. Just no, 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 cool definitely not. Back. Yeah. All right. Well, then, uh, did you have anything else? You said you had a couple things. Was that? Was nope, that, that was it. That, that was, was it. Okay. Yep. Well, I had nothing. So clearly, I was slacking on this minute. So sorry. <laughs> Must be the New Year's celebrations. Probably yes. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, you want to wrap up here then? Sounds good. Cool. All right, folks. It's a new year. It's 2018. Uh, Happy New Year to you all. Um, And here's a request. If you could please head on out to iTunes and uh, Apple Podcasts, whatever it's calling itself these days, uh, and leave a a rating uh, and or a review for the show. Uh, We'd love to hear from you and get that feedback. And uh, we're going to be back again on Wednesday. We'll be talking about Minute 69 of A Search for Spock here at the Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Goodbye. Happy New Year. Happy birthday. <laughs>